All right, so last week, uh, we were looking at in chapter 8 where Jesus had declared that he is the light of the world, that it's only through Jesus Christ that you and I uh, get to experience light, which is, we saw last week, a spiritual understanding. We were all born in, in darkness, in spiritual darkness, and only through Jesus Christ can that darkness be dispelled. Only through Jesus Christ can we find an un- spiritual understanding. And that same theme is amplified now in chapter 9. So we're going to continue along that theme and look at it from just a, a slightly different angle. So John chapter 9, I'm going to read the first 11 verses and then we'll jump down to the end at verse 35. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Now, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, with judgment have I come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you see, your guilt remains. All right. Let's recap what we have just read. This chapter unfolds where the Bible tells us that Jesus now sees a man who was born blind. Now, The Lord, along with most of the people, including his disciples, knew his story 
knew that the man had been born blind. Why? Because he was a beggar that probably would come to the same spot every day, day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, and he would beg. Uh, And that's how he would survive. So many people knew his story. So the disciples now, obviously seeing that Jesus is focusing on this man, asked the Lord, well, who sinned? Lord, did this guy sin or did his parents sin that he was born blind? See, because in Hebrew culture, uh, they they believe that if you were born with some form of abnormality, uh, then you you were born with that abnormality because God was now judging or punishing for someone for for someone's sin, so they're they're trying to find out well who's responsible, whose fault is it that this man was born blind, and Jesus' response uh, was more on the lines of guys, we're not focusing on who's at fault here. It doesn't matter who's at fault here. We're not laying trying to lay responsibility on everybody. Let's focus on the opportunity to do the work of the Lord to help this man see because Jesus said the time is coming where where you won't be able to do this work. You won't be able to do the work of the Lord. And so he uh, takes some saliva and puts it on some dirt, creates some mud, puts it on the man's eyes, and he goes, man, go, go to the pool and wash. The man obeys the Lord, goes, and he begins to see, and he goes home, and he can see. And everybody is wondering, wait a second, this can't be the guy who was born blind. This can't be. And some are saying, no, he is. And some are saying, no, he can't be him. And then he said, look, guys, I'm the guy. It's me. Now, what we didn't read uh, because of the time constraints that we are under is from that moment on, he is brought before the religious leaders and they begin to investigate and, and really interrogate him and say, what's going on? Are you the man that, w- that, that was born blind and now you could see? And how is that happening? And so he said, hey, this guy named Jesus, you know, he put mud on my eyes. And he told me to go wash. And I, I did. And I, I, got, I began to see. I, it was a miracle. And so they go back and forth. And they're not sure. They bring his parents in. Uh, think about it. He's a grown man. And they bring in his parents. Is this your son? And his parents, you know, were fearful because they had already understood the word was out that if the religious leaders uh, found anyone that aligned themselves with Jesus, they would be kicked out of the synagogue, which is the same as being ostracized. Nobody would have anything to do with them. So they took the wise way out. They said, hey, he's old enough. You ask him. He's an adult, in other words. Let him answer for himself. So he said, hey, I already told you it was him. Do you guys want to believe in him also? And, of course, that didn't make them happy. And ultimately, they wound up kicking them out of the synagogue. But then we find in verse 35 that Jesus heard what happened. And he searched for him. And then he found him. And he begins to have a conversation with the man. And in that conversation, he reveals to him that he's the son of man. And the man, the Bible says, believed and worshiped him. 
Now, let me make the connection for us here today and what I believe the Lord wants us to focus in on today. Because as I said earlier, um, this chapter amplifies Jesus Christ as the light of the world. Uh, and it does so by highlighting, in my opinion, two contrasting camps. Uh, and I've titled this message Contrasting Camps because there's one camp here that, that uh, of those who are blind but ultimately receive their sight. And then the other camp is of those who claim they see but they remain blind. In other words, their actions or their behavior don't support their claim to see, to understand. Those are the two camps. And uh, last week, we were talking about the fact that we are all born in spiritual darkness, which means we're all born spiritually blind, unable to truly understand uh, the things of God. And there, one of the major reasons for that is found in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, verse 4. The Bible says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they do cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In other words, the Bible is saying that the God of this age, who is Satan, blinds people so that they cannot see, they cannot understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and Listen, growing up, most of us, will under, I can identify with this, most of us, if not all of us, have heard about Jesus Christ. Most of us uh, heard the Christmas story. So it's like we knew the Christmas story in our mind, uh, and some of us could, could almost spell it out verbatim, but we still were in spiritual darkness. Because though you may know something mentally, it doesn't mean you understand it spiritually. And so we find here that, that the God of this age blinds people so that we can't see the gospel. And it's only when God, in his mercy, enables us to see, opens our blind eyes, that we see who Jesus Christ truly is. And in that moment is when we generally respond and embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's why you, we, can, we can go to church we can, uh, week after week, month after month, and be unchanged. I was that way. I grew up going to church or whatever. And then I got away from that in my late teen, teenage years. And it wasn't until I was invited to a church service as a young adult that I heard the gospel, which I had heard before. But this time, something was different. You see, this time my eyes were open. And I understood for the first time just how much God really loved me and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. And in that moment, I said yes to having Jesus Christ become my Savior and my Lord. And those of us who are born again understand that's what born again means. There's been a divine transaction where uh, you have it. Embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior, and now his spirit resides in your heart. How I many know what I'm talking about? Let me see your hand. Come on, raise your hand at home if you understand what I'm talking about. Okay, so now that's just the first step in this spiritual journey called Christianity. So, But once we are born again, 
once we become Christians and start embarking on this journey with the Lord, in order for you and I to continue to grow spiritually, we need constant revelation, which means we need constantly to be renewed in our spiritual vision. We need God to continue to give us spiritual sight. In other words, when we, we can be Christians, we can be saved, and yet have some form of blindness in our life. We can be in the camp that sees or that claims to see, but still be spiritually blind. Let me give you a couple of examples. It is not new in the church to hear the message and, and, and experience the teaching from God's word that we are commanded in the Bible to honor God by giving him 10% of our income. It's called the tithe. And it comes with a promise that God indicates to his people, when you honor me by bringing in 10% of your income into the house of the Lord, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out blessings upon your life. So we have the command that is followed by the blessing if we obey the command. So many Christians, believers, who are genuinely saved, know this. They know it mentally, but they don't practice it. And the reason why we don't practice it is because we're still in blindness to it. See, we again, let me just stress the point. Having mental understanding doesn't mean you have spiritual understanding. You can have mental understanding and still be spiritually blind. Are you following me so far? Okay. Another example is that those believers who claim they see, who claim, I understand that the Bible teaches me that I'm saved for a purpose. The Bible says in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 8, we won't put it on the board, but you read it when you go home, 8 and 9, where it talks about that we were saved so that we can do the work that God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, the Bible teaches us that nobody is saved just to sit and do nothing. There's a purpose that God has for your life. It's a wonderful purpose. The plan of God is to use you and I to do the work that he planned in advance, even before you were born, for you to do so that your life can bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Would you say amen to that? See, now I got you. Because saying amen says, I understand that, Pastor. But then the question becomes, okay, if you understand that mentally, that's wonderful, but do you have spiritual eyesight? Uh, has God opened your eyes to this scripture uh, so that you now are engaged in what God's called you to do? Because to say, I understand, and yet sit in your seat and do nothing means you're still blind. Are you following what I'm saying now? See, So even as God's people we can have some form of spiritual blindness in our life. The Bible tells husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, which means he gave himself up for it. Isn't that not the word of God? Yes. See, the word of God is teaching husbands, if you really want to be blessed in your marriage, lay down your life for your wife. Which means it's not about what you want, it's what she needs. 
Oh, I hear the little the women are saying, amen, amen. Come on, pastor, preach it, pastor, preach it. He needs to hear that. And a lot of Christian husbands, they recognize that. They know it's in the Bible. But to get to lay down your life, see, if you know it, but you don't do it, then you're still spiritually blind. And not to leave the wives out, because the husband wouldn't want me to leave the wives out, right? It says, wives, honor and respect your husband. So now, wives, if you know that that's in the scripture, if you don't honor or respect your man, doesn't matter how much you profess to see, you're still spiritually blind. Because it's one thing to acknowledge mentally what's in the Bible. It's another thing to live it. Now, here's the good news. Based on our text. Number one, Jesus sees you and your blindness. Jesus saw the blind man. He might have seen the blind man in times past. Remember, this guy was born blind. He begged for a living. And people knew it. The disciples knew it. So it, this, this man probably wasn't new to the Lord as far as recognizing him. But that day was a unique day. That day, it was the Lord's mission to minister to this blind man. And I want to encourage you today because you are God's mission today. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is in your home, and he's here today specifically to minister to you. In fact, that's our second point, where the Lord's mission is to open your eyes today. That's God's mission. He's not here to judge. See, some people want to know, want to know the why. Why are you blind? No. Jesus today is not looking at the why. He's just saying, I'm here today not to focus and lay responsibility. I'm here today to open up the eyes of the blind. Number three, and this is the one that sometimes trips us up. Receiving your sight will be conditioned on your obedience. See, Jesus could have easily just said to the blind man, let your eyes be open. And they would have been opened because he's God. He could have easily done that. But instead he chose to put mud on the man's eyes. And there are various reasons for that. Some people think, some scholars believe that the reason why Jesus put mud on his eyes is because that must have really irritated him uh, and caused him to really focus in on, okay, he, this thing is really hurting I really need to go wash, which is a wonderful thought because there are times where God moves in our life in such a way that it irritates us to action. It irritates us to obedience. So Jesus sent the man to obey. His healing, his miracle was connected to his obedience. And the reason why I'm stressing that is that there are times as the people of God we remain blind because we won't obey. We can, we, we're like the man in, in Matthew chapter 19. Let me turn to that quickly. Matthew 19, beginning in the 16th verse. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. 
There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired, as if there's some I don't have to keep. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? In other words, he knew something is missing in my life. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So here's a young man. He recognizes something is missing from my life. And he approaches Jesus, and Jesus, in his dialogue with him, now Jesus knows everything about all of us. He knew everything about this young man's life. And he knew this young man is wealthy. And the thing that has him blind is his wealth. And so the young man said, I've all the other commandments, but I'm still lacking. What's missing in my life? Why can't I have the breakthrough that I'm longing for? And Jesus then came with the zinger. Sell everything that you have. Give it away to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then you can come follow me. In other words, here's the condition so that you can have what you're looking for. The young man chose to walk away. He walked away sad, but he walked away because he was not willing to let go of the thing that blinded him. Listen to me now. There are times where we as God's people stay spiritually blind because God in his grace and mercy, he knows the exact thing that we need to bring us to a new place in him, to bring that spiritual growth that we know is missing in our life. But when God comes, you need to be prepared to obey because God knows how to put his finger on the very thing that's got you where you are right now, that's keeping you from that breakthrough that you know you need in your life. And if you will break through, if you will honor the Lord, then you will see the miracle take place in your life. You see, this young man walked away still blind because in his mind, in his heart, his money was more important than what he was lacking. And when we think that there are things in this life that we want to hold on to, that they're more vital than than getting closer to the Lord and building and deepening our relationship with God and growing spiritually stronger and and maturing, when we think that that thing is more important than we're in that camp that thinks, I see, but I'm really still blind. Are you with me so far? I haven't lost it yet. Okay. Here's the last point I want to make. The evidence or the fruit of true sight is spontaneous worship. In other words, a, a byproduct of true seeing, true understanding is spontaneous worship. Uh, and so, w- w- what are we talking about? Well, you saw that 
the second time around, when he got kicked out of the synagogue, Jesus went looking for him, which I love that picture because Jesus is always interested in the one that's been outcast by religion. See, in religion, if you don't measure up, you're out of here. But Jesus has a heart for those who generally want to build a relationship with him. So he searched for him and he found him. And in this conversation, Jesus asked him, you know, you, you want to know who the son of man is? And the guy said, yeah, who is he? Let me know so that I can worship him and believe in him. And Jesus said, the one you are seeing is the one. And the Bible says, I believe. And he worshiped. You see, when God genuinely opens your eyes and you see who Jesus is, it is the Spirit's spontaneous response to worship him. So, therefore, I would submit to us, if we struggle in worshiping God, if there's a struggle in honoring God by, the, by, by our worship and our praise, perhaps it's because somewhere along the way there's still some spiritual blindness in our life. See, because to think that just standing respectful honors God is to be truly spiritually blind. Because the heart that sees God worships him. Not only that, but a final thought with regard to that. Not only is there spontaneous worship, but another byproduct of truly seeing God is repentance. Turning away from sin. Listen to Job chapter 42, verses 5 and 6. It says, Job speaking to God, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, the Bible tells us that Job was a righteous man. But there was a little bit of self-righteousness in Job, as there is in all of us. Don't ever think that you're not prideful. Don't ever think that you, you don't have that in you. All of us have a certain measure of self-righteousness in us, where we think we're all that. But when you get in the presence of God, his holy presence enables you to see your sinful heart and just how wicked it really is. His presence brings conviction of sin where you recognize I'm not living right before God and I got to get right. Job had said a lot of things to try to justify himself and try to blame God for his situation. But when the presence of God came, and now he sees and understands who God is in his holiness. Job repented. See, the contrast to that are the religious leaders. We, we, back in our text, right, the Pharisees, they saw everything that was coming around. And notice this. Let me go right back to it. Oh, Jonathan, could you give me verse... 40, back up on the screen, because we got to see something here. Worship team, if you would come. Notice the Bible says, some Pharisees who were with him. Listen, 
there were Pharisees traveling with Jesus. Jesus went to search to find out where was the man whose eyes he had opened because he heard he got kicked out of the synagogue. Jesus finds him and he's having this conversation with him and the man begins to worship him. But the Bible is telling us alongside Jesus who was following him around were some of these religious leaders, the Pharisees. And when Jesus said, I've come so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And the Pharisees, all self-righteous, they said, what? What, are we blind too? In other words, they're trying to tell Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. We're not blind. We understand. Yet they would not worship Jesus. They would not acknowledge who he is. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, there are two camps, these contrasting camps that we're looking at this morning through God's Word. There's the camp that recognizes I'm blind and I need to see. And we can receive our sight when we humble ourselves and acknowledge that there's something here that we don't understand that we need God to reveal to us. And then there's that camp that is full of self-righteousness that claims that they see, but by their lifestyle, by their behavior, they demonstrate that they're still blind. And their pride adds further to give, keep them in the darkness. And this morning, we have decisions to make because I believe as God has been uh, using me to speak this simple thought today for all of us, that Jesus is here today on a mission to open the eyes of the blind. He's not here to lay judgment. He's not here to bring accusations. He's here, rather, to speak a word over your life that can bring healing. But you need to be prepared because he might tell you, go and wash. In other words, he might tell you, there's something I want you to do in order for you to get the breakthrough that you're looking for. And if you will obey, you will see God do something incredible in your life. Revelation will come. Genuine spiritual understanding will take place that will begin to transform 